Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing, and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray. Be blessed by the word of the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. When you have it, say amen. The Bible says in the word of the Lord, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, say a great house. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. 22, flee. Somebody shout flee. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue. Somebody shout follow. But pursue, follow righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of your pure heart. Now I want you to catch those three things in that 22nd verse. Flee, follow, and then form relationships with the right people. Flee, follow, and form relationships with the right people. Who are the right people? Those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And I want to preach a message today called Mega Church. Look at someone tell them Mega Church. Yeah, if you got the wrong perspective, I'm going to help you with it in just a moment. But I believe what God is doing in this day and hour is building a mega church. And I want to talk about what a mega church is because you think you know what I'm talking about. And I'm about to show you, you don't know what I'm talking about. But God is building a mega church. If you believe it, say amen. Jesus, help us today. We thank you for the power of your spirit. Move today and touch hearts and minds in Jesus' name. And the people said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I believe Christianity is to be both experienced and studied. Yeah, letting it settle because some of y'all are still sitting and I want to make sure you hear that. Christianity is something that can be experienced and studied. In fact, I believe the greatest encounters you will ever have in your walk with God come out of a place of pursuit and hunger. Shall I say study? When you begin to study God and study the kingdom of God and study the things of God, what you discover and what you find doesn't make you a bookworm that loses its zeal. But what you discover and find actually produce a fire on the inside of you that help you to grow deeper in the things of God. I say it like this all the time. I am not shouting because of what I don't know. I am not excited because I'm ignorant. I am shouting because of what I have discovered and what I do know. Study didn't make me quiet. Study made me fired up. Some people act like they got a fire but don't read the Bible or study the word and their fire is a fake fire. But if you will dive into a pursuit of who God is and study God, in fact, that's what the word theology is. It's the study of God. The discovery of who God is. And I, I said it in Cleveland today. It bears a little heavier weight up there than it does down here. But a theologian is not that person down the road in a university telling kids about God. A theologian is anybody who studies God from the, for themselves. I hope I'm sitting in a room with some theologians. 
Some people who arrived uh, uh, in the kingdom of God and recognized that although you are becoming, you and I have not arrived. And while we have not arrived and because we have not arrived, we continue to press on and pursue the deeper things of God. Growing up in church that I grew up in, we, songs that, we sang songs like this. I want to know more about my Jesus. I want to know more about my Lord. I want to know more about that mansion. I'm going to receive. Anybody remember that song? All these young people looking at me like I'm funny. That wasn't on the latest uh, CD, but it was a song we sang growing up because there's something about this journey of studying God and knowing God and theology is the study of God and if I could just just quickly get to this underneath this umbrella of studying God and encountering God and and studying the kingdom of God there are all these tributaries of study and we could talk about Christology which is the study of the doctrines of the person and the work of Christ we could talk about pneumatology which is the study of the Holy Spirit we could talk about eschatology which is the study of end times things we could we could talk about the study of soteriology which is the study of salvation and how God in his civilic heart uh, redeemed humanity back to himself through the shed blood of Jesus is Christ but there's one piece of theology that we rarely talk about in the church although it's always something that we should talk about and it is ecclesiology everyone say ecclesiology ecclesiology is the study of the church Ecclesiology is the study of the birth and the life and the politic and the leadership and the modus operandi and how the church ought to function and how the church ought to operate. And whether we ever study it or not, the reality of it is all of us in this room today are a product of the ecclesiology of our generation. Church is very different now than it was years ago. I didn't say it's supposed to be. I'm not here to argue that it should be. I'm not here that I, to say that I agree with it all, but ecclesiologists who study the church of our generation are dealing with some stuff and they're trying to make sense of where the church is. And what I find as I study the, 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 those who are ecclesiologists and telling us where the church is and what the church is dealing with and the cycles that we're dealing with in our church, here's what I want to tell you. Just like in the days that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, we are dealing with the same threats, the same issues, and the same problems that early church, early Christianity dealt with thousands of years ago. We are not dealing with new devils. The devil has on a different suit of clothes. The devil drove a different uh, car to get to church. The devil has a different way of manifesting. He uses different modes and means and mediums and methods of transportation and getting his agenda out. But make no mistake about it, we're still dealing with devils. And we're still dealing with the same threats. And, and, and if you look at First and Second Timothy and the book of Titus, these three books of the Bible, all in the New Testament, all written through the hand of Paul, we call these pastoral epistles. Why do we call First and Second Timothy and the book of Titus pastoral epistles? I'm glad you asked. We call them pastoral epistles because Paul is speaking to the pastors as a pastor, giving them divine wisdom and insight and strategy on how to lead the church that they're leading in their day. And because it's pastoral in its nature, he's trying to help the church understand how to deal with the issues and the problems that they're dealing with in their day. And Timothy is dealing with some real issues. 
In fact, this entire book of Timothy that I preached from today, that I read from today, the second book of Timothy, the second chapter, and all of it is ecclesiastic in nature. It is an address to the church and the pastor of the church about how to deal with problems in the church. And specifically, the problem that Paul begins to address is one of false doctrine that is the result of false teachers who had crept into the body and began to teach false things to the body and screwed up the faith of a lot of people. What were they teaching? They were teaching that the resurrection of the dead had already happened. These two false teachers had come into the church at Ephesus and began to stand up and teach something different than what Paul had taught and different than what Timothy was teaching. And so they stand up and they start telling everybody in the church, the resurrection of the dead has happened. Y'all missed it. You're still here. Go live life however you want to live it. And they cast off restraint. They lose the fear of the Lord. They stop living holy. They start acting like they can party it up because God's already come and this thing's already over and we just get to live like we want to live and not have any regard for holiness or the things of God. I'm teaching in here today. The Bible says that because of their false doctrine and these two false teachers, read 2 Timothy 2, the faith of many was overthrown or the faith of some was overthrown. And I'm thankful that it was the faith of some and not the faith of all. Now I want to say this as I move on today. You need to make up your mind who you're going to listen to and what you're going to follow because some people are listening to liars preach lies and the Bible said you can hear a lie and believe it and be damned. That ain't popular. That ain't Nobody wants to say that. But the Bible says that many will believe lies and not make heaven their home. Got to be careful what you hook your caboose up to. You better be careful who you listen to in this day. I don't care how big the church is, how much money they give to all these parachurch ministries, you better be careful. It can have slick hair and shiny shoes and slither in one way and slither out another and teach a false doctrine and sow discord among the brothers. And You ought not stand up in a so-called pulpit at a so-called church and tell a so-called group of people who belong to the body of Christ that we ought to be able, everybody ought to be able to be a part of the body and we we got to accept alternative lifestyles in the kingdom of God and just deal with it because this is the new church. That is not the church. That is a lie. And give me the ancient truth of scripture in love. I ain't talking about being mean, but I am not going to compromise. Oh, Lord, I better quit this because I can tell y'all not in the mood to... Timothy is in a mess. The church at Ephesus, Paul preached and pastored that church for three years. When his assignment was over, he installed Timothy as a pastor. And now Timothy has intercepted this ecclesiastic assignment to be the pastor of this church. And church history tells us this was no small thing. This was a pretty significant group of people. Some theologians believe there was many as 12 to 15,000 people in the church at Ephesus. Here was a young man dealing with a church that is being infiltrated and perpetuated by false doctrine at the hands of two false teachers. Paul writes to deal with this ecclesiastic matter of issues that are piling up on the young pastor. The first thing you've got to be reminded is that Timothy is dealing with all kind of stuff. You, you know these people who I used to have a member. I, they might be here. I don't care. They, they used to say the preacher only works one day a week. You better get a life. 
The times I have gone to bed late and woke up early and not rested at all. The times you can't, you don't just get to disconnect from ministry like you get to dis disconnect from a job. You carry Sister Ye Ye's problem and Brother Flip Flop's divorce and every, y'all looking at me funny. I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, the ministry is not something you would choose for yourself. That's why I tell all of our spiritual sons and daughters, if you can do anything else and please God, you better run and do it. Don't sign up for this. This will keep you up at night and wake you up early in the morning. If you don't put your trust in Jesus, it'll give you ulcers in your mouth and in your belly. It'll make you have a headache when nothing's wrong. It'll make you sing hanging around, nothing to do but frown rainy days and Mondays. Always get me down. You better know you're called by God if you're going to preach. You better know you're called by God if you're going to pastor because you fight hell tooth and nail. You'll have to resist the devil on every hand. He'll try to destroy your family. He'll try to destroy your mind he'll try to destroy your confidence he'll try to take away your feeling of victory and Paul looked at Timothy and said Timothy let nobody despise your youth God did not give you a spirit of fear but power and love and a sound mind and because he knew what the young pastor needed he dropped this revelation he said Timothy you're going through hell you're wrestling false prophets you're wrestling false doctrine but the foundation of God stands sure and when it looks like the devil is up to something when it looks like the devil's got the upper hand don't ever let the devil persuade you to believe that the church is going under because Jesus I'm gonna go over here and preach to myself up on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail that's 22 years pent up So don't look at me funny. Timothy's feeling the attack. His church is losing people. He's wondering if they can overcome this false doctrine and false teaching. Paul uses this false doctrine and this crisis that's going on in the church at Ephesus as a canvas to paint the reality of this ecclesiological situation going on so here we have a church that's in trouble in timothy's church they're in trouble false doctrines being taught false teachers are teaching many people have over some people the bible says have overthrown their faith they've lost their faith they've walked away from jesus timothy's trying to figure out how to process it paul says i know what you see with your eyes i know it looks like the walls of the church are shaking I know it looks like the roof is being torn off the church, but the foundation of the church is solid. I feel like preaching here. Somebody better go home and tell the devil, you can shake the walls, you can rip the roof off, you can tear the carpet up off the floor, you can do everything you want to do to burn the church down, but you can't mess with the sure foundation of the church of God. Because we wasn't built on some little religious move. We were built as the king of glory came from heaven to earth, bore the cross for our sin and became the very cornerstone that the builders rejected. And they might have rejected him, but I told him he was Lord a long time ago. And he's still Lord. 
He's the foundation and he's sure. Now watch this. Paul says, the foundation is sure. And in a great house, say a great house. The text said in a great house. I, I, I got so much to say about this, but this word great started messing with me. Because he's not just building any old kind of house. He's building a great house. He's not just building a house that gets our leftovers. He's building a great house. He's not just building an old house or a young house. He's building a great house. He's not just building a church that represents our agenda or our flavor or our brand. No, God is building a church that represents him. We don't just represent ourselves. We're building a house that ought to reflect the one who sent us to do the work. This is not my house. This is not your house. It's not even our house. This is God's house. And God's house, I can't find no help here, ought to be a great house. Uh -huh. It ought not be a normal house. It ought not be a religious house. It ought not be a halfway house. God, I could preach that. It ought not be a stuck house. It ought not be a bound house. It ought not be a racist house. It ought not be a white house. It ought not be a black house. It ought not be a caramel house. It ought not be an old-fashioned house. It ought not be some contemporary house. It ought to be a great house. If God's going to build it, he's not going to build some, some micro-tail. He's not going to build some Motel 6. If God's going to build a house, he's going to build a great house. The kind of house where everybody hungry can come and be fed. The kind of house where everybody tired can come and find rest. The kind of house where everybody broken can come and be put back together. Slap your neighbor. Tell your neighbor he's building a great house. I don't know what you think you walked into today this ain't some little group of people on a little corner talking about a little God doing little things we didn't get this blueprint out of a out of a cracker shop box this blueprint was birthed by the Holy Ghost given to holy men of God what we're building today is a house that ought to bring honor and glory it ought to save every lost person rescue every hurting person it ought to be a hospital for every sick person this ought to be a great house He's building a great house. Now, this word great messed with me, so I started searching some things. And the word great in the Greek is the Greek word mega. Come on, you McDonald's people. You know, back in the 90s when we strode up to McDonald's for a quarter pounder or a Big Mac, and they said, Oh, you want a Big Mac and a fry and a drink? What size? And you, you can choose a, a medium if you're medium, but I'm not medium. And you can choose a large if you're large, but I'm not even large. I said, I'd like a mega size. Y'all know what a mega size is? When you got a mega size meal, they gave you that bucket of fries. It wasn't no little container. It was a bucket of fries. When you got a mega size, you didn't get some little cup of sweet tea. You got a gallon in a, come on somebody, y'all know what I mean. It was mega sized, yes. And I wanna teach you and tell you today that what God is building in our day in our church. I'm 
talking about the one you're sitting in. I am not talking about generally. I am not talking about the church. I cannot speak for the pastor of the church down the road. I am telling you about this house. It will not be a leftover house. It will not. Yeah, we're going to have leftovers. I'm not talking about what Devin said. I'm talking about he's not just going to get what we got left over. He's going to get the first. And when he gets the first, we are the one that's going to leave with leftovers because God's going to bless us. Good measure. Press down, shake it together. Run it over. So this is the Greek word mega. And uh, this word is germane for this understanding of this assignment today. Because in the field of ecclesiology, I'm going back to where I started, in the study of the church, ecclesiology, there's a tremendous amount of conversation happening in the kingdom regarding mega churches. What are their characteristics? What are their metrics? What are their measurements? Some will tell you if you have 1,500 people or more, you are a mega church. Some will tell you if you have 2,000 people or more, you are a megachurch. Some will tell you if you have three or more campuses, you are a megachurch. Some will tell you if you have politicians and performers and athletes and all the important people sitting in your church, you're a megachurch. You should have those people in your church. Because I believe in having influence in the name of the Lord that represents not just people, but the influential circles that they walk in. Listen, I can't help the sports world if I'm always trying to, to, to get sports people repelled. If I'm going to change sports, God's going to connect me with people who have a door into sports. Come on in here. If I'm going to change government, I'm not just going to change it from the pulpit. I'm also going to have influence by relationship over people that are in spheres of influence and by speaking into their life they become transformed and speak into other lives but I'm going to tell you this right now mega church is not about how important the people are sitting in the pew when Paul starts talking about a great house or a mega church he is not talking about the size of the crowd he is talking about the potency of the people get ready to preach a thing right here because this thing was revealed in the most painful way in a season when the church, that churches that we call mega churches, we call them mega churches, and one virus came into the nation and it showed us we might be big, but we don't have much power. Not gonna get no help right here. And I know that some people are gonna send me an email, let me save you some time. I am not telling you that we were wrong for not having church for a month. I'm not telling you we were wrong when people wore masks. I'm not telling you you were wrong if you were nervous about your health. I'm telling you that if you were more afraid of the virus than you were convicted of the power of God, I'm telling you we can't ever put ourselves again in that place that the enemy can put one sickness on us and everybody shut the doors the devil is a liar Lowe's didn't shut the doors Walmart didn't shut the doors Home Depot didn't shut the doors but the church shut the doors because the church y'all better y'all not ready for me today I'm just telling you a mega church doesn't take orders from the government a mega church is the government of God on the earth and God will speak through his people He offended me. I ain't here to offend you. I'm here to tick everything religious off. 
I'm here to tell you right now that God has called us to be a city set on a hill, a light that can't be hid, salt that can't be tasted, and light that can't be seen. We are not second or third rate in this nation, in this world, in this generation. We are the hope of the whole world. And what God is doing is not some hidden corner, some hidden corner on the side. God is about to condemn He is about to put his kingdom front and center, and we better be ready to demonstrate kingdom life to this world. Mega church. Mega church. Not just big. Powerful. They were mega when they only had 120 in the upper room. But what was mega in the upper room got so mega that it turned into 3,000. Ah, I better quit because I feel like something's about to happen in here. I, and, and let me tell you, let me fix that too because I recognize mega should never be defined strictly by numbers. But we also got some insecure people in the kingdom that can't handle when a church grows bigger than its ability to manage on its own. So we got pastors who keep the kingdom small so that it can be all about them and they don't want nobody in the room with greater gifts, greater anointing. I come to tell you the lid has been ripped off. God refuses to allow us to be some little group of people broke, busted, and disgusted. I'm not here to be a lid on your life. God ripped the lid off me so I could rip the lid off you and we could all grow and become everything Christ died that we could become. Mega. Mega. He, he said, in a great house, there are Oh, I'm getting ready to do some ecclesiastical work here. In a great house, there are vessels. You gotta have vessels in the house because every house is intended to take care of guests. How do you feed people who come over if you don't have no vessels? What if they get thirsty for some water? You got to have a cup. What if they get hungry for some of your strawberry shortcake. They got to, oh Lord, I feel it when I touched you. They got to have a plate. You got to have some vessels because you're gonna have guests come over to the house. And when guests come over, you gotta be able to take care of your guests. Well, let me fix something. The first thing I need to tell you is that the most important guest that we host here every Sunday is the lamb. Now, I know that some people who would want us to think that they are the most important guests, and you, you might have it in your mind that you're not important to us when I say that. That is not at all what I'm saying. I am not suggesting by saying that Jesus is first that you are not important. I'm just saying you're not first. The most important person we came to host is Jesus. Come on in here and talk to me. Two men on the road to Emmaus. The Bible said that while they were on the road to Emmaus, Jesus walked up to them and he began to tell them the scriptures from the Old Testament about the Son of Man. And the Bible said their heart started burning when he talked. And as he taught the scriptures, something caught fire on the inside. And he kept walking with them. Come on, brothers, let's walk a little while. Uh -huh, I'll be Jesus. Y'all be the two men. And the Bible said he was talking to them about the scriptures. And 
the fire was getting turned up on the inside and there came a point where he said I'm gonna let y'all go and he kept on walking but they got so turned up on fire that they said no 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 you can't come you can't leave we need to take you into our house and host you so they went into the house they went into the house they took Jesus into the house to host Jesus but somewhere in that moment they stopped being the host and he turned around in their own house and he served them the bread which is what happens to you and I every Sunday we say come on in here Lord we want to host your glory and he said I'm glad you invited me but I'm about to turn this thing around you didn't bring me in so you could feed me you welcome me in so I can feed you Touch somebody tell him he's feeding you today. Oh, he'll feed you till you won't no more. He'll feed you till you get rid of that old junk food, that old junk food diet you've been living on. If you let him, he'll feed you manna from heaven. He'll feed you something that'll cause you to live. Slap your neighbor, tell him he's feeding me. Yeah, that's how I can raise these children. That's how I can raise my family. That's how I can do my job. He keeps on feeding me. Thank you, Lord. He, he, he said in a great, in a mega church, I'm not making it up. The text said it was a great house. It was a mega house. It was a mega, in a mega church. There are vessels because somebody's coming to eat. Somebody's coming over for dinner. And when Jesus comes, we want to take care of him. And not only do we want to take, take care of Jesus, we want to host you. Well, you, you ought to leave this house saying, boy, that was five star. Oh, don't look at me funny. Y'all review everything else. Yelp. Oh, that, that, that food was nasty. I'm going home. I'm putting a review. One star. The devil stole my joy. I went to down to that restaurant. They... I think when people ought to leave here, they ought to leave saying, my kids didn't want to leave church. My young people couldn't wait to get back. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. My young people couldn't wait to get back Wednesday. Uh, I didn't even just get blessed when I got in the building. I was up in the parking lot. Some crazy joker with a goatee and a shiny suit on stand up and said, we're so glad you're here today. And something broke off my life. I can't wait to go back and meet that joker again next Sunday because everything about that house was five star. Don't you come in here acting like God ought to get your leftovers. You ought to give the kingdom your very best. If you go work in the kids department, it ought to be your best. If you go work in the parking team, it ought to be your very best. If you go sing on this stage, it ought to be the, this ought to be five star. It's a great house. In a great house, there are vessels. And then, and then this is the ecclesiastical issue here. Paul is trying to help Timothy understand. Your house is great. You're passing a great church, Timothy. But in a great house, in a mega church, there's gold and silver and vessels of clay and wood in a great house. Oh, I'm getting ready to say some things here. I'm getting ready to say, well, I ain't going back to church no more. Why not? Because they, 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 there's some people down there that ain't walking with God. I met some hypocrites. 
I have been saying this for 20 years. You would much rather go to church with a hypocrite than to hell with a hypocrite. Trust me. Well, I ain't going back down to that church. And here's what, here's what you have come to the recognition and revelation of. The church is filled with people who claim to be saved but have not yet arrived. I feel a Dr. Phil anointing getting on me. I'm about to therapize somebody. Yeah. I just wrote a word. You got in the same great house different kinds of vessels. And you don't like church because you thought everybody in the church you went to was gold and silver. And you found out there's still some wood and clay. Oh, Lord have mercy. It would be one thing if the gold and silver was in the house and God didn't let the wood and the clay come in the same house. Keep them out in the yard. But they don't get to stay out in the yard. The crazy, the unpredictable, the carnal, the lustful, the immature, all of it mixed together in one house. You better be careful how you speak about the house simply because you took inventory based on one person. Now, I could preach this on another side too. I could tell you, you ought to be so careful about what kind of vessel you are that if you were the only person visitors came into this room and had contact with, you ought to be so careful that they would want to come back and find Jesus again. But I'm gonna preach this also from the other side. Stop making assumptions about church because you ran into some people who are not vessels of honor. I ain't going back to church. I went down to church. That woman took my seat. That woman, they took my parking place. I ain't going back to the, You don't have a parking place. And you don't have a seat. Like for real, we, none of us have a parking place here. We all trying to find parking. I've seen people almost lose their thin sanctification over parking places at Redemption to the Nations Church. Be careful that you don't disconnect from the house simply because you found out that everybody in the house hadn't arrived yet. Paul trying to help Timothy because Timothy is dealing with two false teachers, Hymenaeus and Philetus, well, what names, who are teaching false doctrine and he got the faith of some to be overthrown and they left the church and Timothy's having a nervous breakdown. Is everybody like this? Is everybody going to leave? I used to think when something bad happened in church, everybody was going to leave. Let me tell you something right now. The devil, if he could, would do everything he can to affect every church in such a way that overnight there would be some kind of scandal, some kind of problem to make people never want to go back. But the foundation of God is sure and Paul is trying to tell Timothy, Timothy, get a hold of yourself. In your great church, in your house, there are vessels of every kind. There are vessels of gold and silver, and there are vessels of clay and wood, and it's all in the same house. I thought that would be about where I stopped, but I got to asking myself the question, how do you know the difference between gold and silver 
and between clay and wood. Are some people just born gold? I was born this way. I was born talking in tongues. I was born quoting John 3.16. That's how I was born. No, you were not born that way. You were born like this. I was born like this. Y'all looking at me funny like I insulted you. Nobody in this room was born gold and silver. Everybody in this room was born clay and wood. So how do we become... These are called useless vessels. Read the text. Pastor, don't, don't offend me. I'm not offending you. I'm just telling you, if you're living like this, God won't pull you out of the cupboard to serve you to people. Well, nobody, nobody uses me. I've been to 37 churches and nobody sees the gift on my life. That hurt my feelings. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to tell you your attitude and your selfish ambition and dare I humbly say your pride is causing you to think of yourself more highly than you ought. And it's not that we don't see the gift on your life. It's that we see the stuff in your bowl. Do you know what this was used for in the day Paul was writing in a house? Do you know what this kind of vessel was? Man, I'm telling you, if y'all can see the offense on people's face while I'm preaching this. I see Sister Yeye packing her stuff up and talking to Estel, and she's like, we're getting up out of here. Tell Gertrude to warm the car up. We're done. Listen, do you know what makes a bowl like this a bowl like this, it ain't that this one was born this way, it's that it was born again to become this way. We were all born like this. And we came into the kingdom and we started getting sanctified. We don't talk about this no more, do we, in the church? Sanctified. What does that mean, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. It means we started getting set apart from some old things and set unto some new things. And the old things that we got set apart from, we actually turned around and ran from them. I'm getting ready to blow your mind. I feel like dropping some theological bombs on you at 1222. Let me tell you this. When the Bible said flee, touch your neighbor, tell them flee. The word flee is the Greek word fugo. It's where we get the English word fugitive. And you and I were born like this. And when we got saved and born again and we came into the kingdom of God, literally our affections changed. Instead of being a trash vessel that accepted trash, Lord, I feel like preaching here, we, beca we became something altogether different and our life became a container not for the trash that we used to be used for and we used to take out. But when we said yes to Jesus, he transformed our life. Watch. And we took off running from the old man. We were fugitives. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. How many ever seen Harrison Ford run for his life in that new movie, The Fugitive? He was running for some, from some people that wanted him to come back to prison, but he wasn't going to prison because he knew he didn't kill his wife like they told him he did. And when you get saved, the devil try to pull you back. That's why some of you are being tempted 
tempted with stuff that you used to be tempted with it's because he knows what you used to love and now that you got saved you started loving somebody different than the one that you used to love and what you got to do is stop hanging around the whole life you got to stop sitting at this end of the table because this ain't where you sit no more this ain't who you are no more and you got to put your spiritual rebox on and flee youthful lust flee what used to have you bound flee what used to call your name flee what used to lure you into sin slap three people tell them run from it If I sit down here on this end of the table, I'll still be a trash can. But there's a reason I don't want to pick up your trash no more. There's a reason I don't go to the hoot nanny no more. There's a reason I don't go to the bar house anymore. There's a reason I don't, there's a reason why I don't need to go look at porn no more. There's a reason why I don't need to look at drugs no more. There's a reason why I don't want to do those things anymore. Oh, I tell you why. Because I met a man got down in my vessel and when he got down in my vessel he transformed the man that I used to be and although I'm not what I'm gonna be I'm not who I used to be slap somebody tell him run from it run from it run from it you better put your Reeboks on and run from that addiction run from that lust run from that attraction run from it the devil wants to kill you but Jesus said I So, so, in a great house, there are vessels of gold and silver, clay and wood, vessels of honor and dishonor. I'm wrapping up here. Vessels that are useless and vessels that are useful. So what makes the difference between these vessels and the, oh, baby, careful. They told me this was some fine china. I'm about to drop it and see. What makes the difference between those vessels and these vessels? Let me help you. It ain't how much money you got in the bank. Oh, he's talking about, he talking about their bling. It ain't about your bling, sister. Yeah, yeah. We don't care if you got on Gucci or Target. I don't care if you strode up in a Maserati or you had the Uber to get to church. That doesn't determine if you're gold and silver. I, I feel like preaching because gold doesn't mean it's bling. What gold means is that it's been tried. Hey, <laughs> anybody in this room ever been tried? And the last time I checked, it wasn't the devil that tried you. God said, I'm going to try you. Not because I think you're going to fail, but I'm going to put you through the fire. I feel like preaching here. Not to teach you something, but I'm going to put you in the fire to teach the fire something. I'm about to teach the fire that there are some that go through the fire and cannot be burned up. Anybody been tried by fire? 
fire lately. I want to tell you if you've been tried by fire, if you're going through fire, through is very important. When you come out on the other side, you're going to be like pure. Slap somebody, tell them you're about to pass the test. You wonder why you've been waking up at night. You wonder why the devil been trying to keep you up late. You wonder why the devil's been trying to attack your joy. I'll tell you why. You're getting ready to be promoted in the kingdom of God. Hey! God said if you go through fire and you come out on the other side, I'll bless you good measure. I'll bless you shake down running the touch somebody tell them you're about to be promoted you're about to be promoted the devil tried to burn your faith but instead he just burned up the bondage i'm coming out of this flee i got two more so i got to hurry number one flee and then he said follow it's not just in what you run away from I'm not just running from the old life. I'm running to my new life. If you don't follow the right thing, I don't care how hard you flee the wrong thing, you will always inevitably go back to what you fleed from because you got nothing to share your affection with. So what you gotta do in sanctification is run from the old life and run toward your new life. That's how you become this. Gold. Sanctified. Set apart. Meet. Do you know what that word means? It means you met the criteria. You pass the test. You are approved. I'm closing here, but look at somebody tell them, God told me to tell you. You've been approved. If you keep the faith, it means you've been approved. God, I feel that preaching here. How do I know this? Because so many people are giving up their faith in this day. And I'm tired of glorifying and celebritizing apostasy. You ought to weep when somebody loses the faith. You ought to cry out for their soul. Because if they turn their back on the Lord, they're going to hell. And James chapter 5, 20 and 21 says, Let he who saves a soul from hell, let him know that he kept that life from death. We're not just in this to build a big church. We're in this to keep people out of hell and to show them a better way of life. I'm through here. I'm through here. We got to go. We got to go. But he said, flee youthful lust. That's the stuff that used to call your name. And then follow righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And then he said, and form relationships with people who call on God out of a pure heart. Some of y'all need some godly friends. Well, no, I need a revelation. I need a prophetic word. No, you need a friend. The kind that'll love you enough to tell you, where you been? I ain't seen you in four weeks at church. Well, you know, I've been busy. No, you ain't been busy. It's been raining. Where you been? You ain't had nothing to do. People this morning out of Cleveland said, oh, we finally got a day with no rain. I said, I don't care. Why don't you care? Because when the sun's shining, people go out, they get on the boat, they run to the golf course, they're looking for it on Sunday. But when it rains, they say, oh, I gotta go to church. 
So I say 100% chance of rain. I'm kidding. You need some friends. Chad, do you have that little thing you made me? I asked you to make that little equation. Can we put that up here? Oh, don't let me leave. Oh, see, this is good. Godly people plus godly environments plus godly purposes equals exponential growth. Who are you... I know what you're fleeing. You're fleeing the old life. I hope you know and I know what we're following. We're following righteousness, faith, love, and peace. I could preach on all of those because all four of them are powerful. But if you're not forming relationships with people who call on God, listen to that, call on God out of a pure heart. People find out what kind of church I was raised in, they feel sorry for me. They see them people, I, I, I claim them people. I go down there sometimes, I just go in and they're still down there and they, they still serving hungry on Wednesday. They still have prayer before Sunday night church. Ain't but 30 people left and they go get in there and pray. And you, you see them people and you say, oh, he was raised in that. Don't you ever for a moment, don't you ever for a moment think that I'm not grateful that I knew some people who called on God out of a pure Tommy Watts used to sing, and one Sunday he was singing, and his teeth flew out. And he caught his teeth and threw them back in. He said, hallelujah, and they flew out. And he caught them and threw them back in and said, hallelujah. His wife had hair down to the ground. She would put it up in a bun. With her right hand, she shook maracas. With her left hand, she beat a tambourine on her leg. She had a holder on her head. And she blew a harmonica, all three of them at the same time. And when the Holy Ghost got to moving, that bobby pin would slip up out of that hair. And her hair would fall down to the ground. And it looked like cousin it playing a harmonica. And I'm telling you, somewhere in the middle of all that, I got connected and I feel the Holy Ghost. I got connected to some people who may not have had a big bank account. They didn't have no bling on their finger. They had to find a ride to church. But when the devil needed cast out, they called on God out of a pure heart. Slap your neighbor, tell a neighbor, this is the year where we're going to get connected. We get ready for exponential growth. I'm not about I've heard God this is a year of exponential growth for you enough with sitting in a building where the crowd is getting bigger but you are getting smaller you are going to grow in your faith you are going to grow in your calling you are going to grow in your purpose 
God wanted to call it a mini church. He could, but he didn't call it a mini church. He called it a mega church in a great house. What makes me great? Pastor, what makes me a vessel of gold and silver? What are you fleeing? What are you following? And with whom are you forming relationships? I hope it's with people who call on God out of a pure heart. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me your partners, I'll show you your capacity. Some of you can't be great because you're refusing to recontextualize your associations. You want to be gold, but you're hanging out with useless vessels. You say, Pastor, every time you say that, it makes me feel so bad for them people. Listen, those people have a choice, and you do too. And if you keep ignoring God and choosing people who won't choose God, spending all your time. I don't know what God's got me on relationships at the first part of this year, but I keep talking about it because somebody in here is in dire need of reevaluating who you're forming relationship with. Lay your hand on your heart, close your eyes. We're leaving in just a moment, but I want you to take inventory of your life today. What are you fleeing? The Bible says flee youthful lust. What is Paul talking about when he tells Timothy to flee youthful lust? He's talking about not just hormonal struggles you have as a young person, He's talking about the desires that come from an immature heart. The desire to be seen always, the desire to be known always, the desire for your will to always be done. Those are youthful lusts. At some point you grow up into this thing called the kingdom and you start saying, not my will, but thy will be done. And not only are what are you fleeing, but what are you following? When's the last time you took a righteousness check of your heart? Where you love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived because Jesus' life had been imputed into yours. It's not my righteousness. I can't do this on my own. But I can't allow the one who's living in me who was the righteousness of God. I can't allow him to live in greater dimensions in my life so that it is less of me and more of thee, oh God. And then finally, who are you forming relationships with? What are you fleeing? What are you following? And with whom are you forming relationships? Those three things will tell me and tell you about our own personal lives, where we are in the journey from becoming useless to becoming useful. God is no respecter of a person, but God will always honor those who have proper priorities. If I'm preaching to you in any way, if it's what you're fleeing, what you're following, or who you're forming relationships with and you needed this message, just standing right there in your seat with your hands laid on your heart, let me pray for you right now. God, this is the year they become mega. I don't mean them personally. I just mean in their life, they decrease more this year and you increase more. Their agenda matters less and your agenda matters more. Your desire for them, Father, becomes greater than their own desire. 
This message had to be preached before somebody could find their spouse. There's some young sons and daughters in here, some young ladies and men. I want you to hear me right now. I believe God showed me there's about to be some connections. Well, I'm looking for my spouse. God, God is about to show you it was his mercy they hadn't found you yet. Because had they got the other version of you before this message, they wouldn't have kept you long. But I also want to prepare this house. We're going to have to be good stewards of relationship. And some of you mothers and fathers in the faith are going to have to help some sons and daughters because we're about to see kingdom families start being built out of this place. I'm tired of 44-year-old people not marrying 44-year-old people and having single lives. And then we grab about the problems in family. We better start creating some godly families and quit this selfishness in the church. Oh, I made some folk mad at me then. Nothing wrong with being 44 and not being married. Just let me tell you this. God may have something bigger for you. If you're a divorcee and have been burnt and got hurt in the last relationship, I want to prophesy over your life and tell you God's going to heal your heart and send you somebody that you can build. You can build with the person God's getting ready. There's some people in here God's getting ready to send people into your life you can build with. They're not going to tear you down. They're going to help you build something. Reach over, lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder, please. Holy Ghost, right now. This is a year. This church, godly people in godly environments for godly purposes leads to exponential growth. We declare it to be the year of that now. Exponential growth in their spirit, exponential growth in their heart, exponential growth in their mind, exponential growth in their families, exponential growth in their children, exponential growth in their faith, exponential growth in their dreams and visions, exponential growth in the prophetic activity going on in their mind, exponential growth in their expectation, exponential growth in their giving, exponential growth in their increase, exponential growth, not just because of what we've done and who we are, but because of the one we're connected to a great God building a great house come on pray for your neighbor right now before we go we're leaving Lord let it be year of growth supernatural growth I bind and break off every live limitation every lid of hindrance every obstacle that is attempted to persuade these men and women of God to believe that you're a little God doing a little thing God forbid father in one day 3,000 were born into the kingdom you didn't have a nervous breakdown you didn't panic you didn't shrink it you called it to grow you called it to increase you called it to manifest you called it to mature and father I'm thankful for the days of small beginnings we will not despise them but I'm also grateful that in spite of the small beginnings father there is there is increase there is great there is mega it's not for us our kingdom or our glory it is for you father your kingdom and your glory spirit of multiplication a spirit of multiplication come on this body a spirit of multiplication father let this be the year that five turns to ten and two turns to four and, uh, yes and, and four turns to eight father we're not going to hide gifts in the ground we're not going to hide talents in the ground this is not the year of limitation this is a season it's a time it's a day the kingdom of God is on the move the kingdom of God is expanding Ending. May lives come into the kingdom of God. And may these mighty men and women of God become greater than anything that 
they've ever imagined their life could be and may it all be for thy glory and thy honor. I'm going to say this and I'm really done. Listen to me, look at me. I say it humbly. You're going to have to know and begin to walk in the ability to accept a praise that's given to God and people are not going to know how to praise God for it. They're going to come to you and praise you. Don't ever accept his praise. I'm telling you this. I just felt this a moment ago. The Spirit of God is about to work through your lives in such ways that people who do not know God are going to have encounters with him because of your obedience to God. And they're going to come to you and they're going to say, thank you. And don't say, oh, it was, we know it was God. You walk over to the side and you just look up and you just say, Father, they thought that was me. But I know it was all you. To God be the glory. Hey, we can give honor to all kind of people, but we only give glory to one. And when mega things begin to happen in your life, don't ever cease to give him the glory. Let me seal this now. Father, seal the word. Seal the revelations. Seal the breakthrough, the power of the Holy Spirit. Every life healed, every mind touched, every spirit transformed. I pray this over this house for every campus connected to us and those that shall be. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're wanting to do, we say yes to your will. And yes, to your way. Now, Lord, bless these people for staying 45 minutes later than they usually stay. I pray in Jesus' name they'll have double the joy, double the peace. I pray they'll get double the food at lunch. And I pray in Jesus' name that they, oh, Lord, bless them with such a good Sunday afternoon. Let everybody in their family have joy in Jesus' name. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. I love your family. Go in the peace of the Lord. We'll see you Wednesday night. May God bless you and yours as you leave today. Friend, I believe God is a miracle-working God, and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody's watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, Dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team wanna pray for you. We wanna make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. The best days of your life are still ahead of you and we're praying for you today. God bless and look forward to seeing you next week right here.